Praise the Lord. Oh, good evening. New microphone. I want to pray a short prayer too, please. Father, we thank you for the joy of being saved. The joy of knowing our sins are forgiven. The joy of having the Holy Spirit inside of us. The joy of knowing that no one can pluck us out of your hand. The joy of knowing the great hope we have that this life filled with all its problems and hurts and pains. And as we trudge through this enemy territory till we get home, we will get home. We thank you for that, Lord. The great hope. Thank you for the joy, Lord, of Jesus. Lord Jesus, this is your house. We are your house. Your word says that we are your house, Lord. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit of, of Christ. Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. You're in us. We want to be that house of prayer that you've called us to be. Lord, that we could just talk with you, just to be with you, pour out our hearts to you, confess our sins to you, call upon you. Lord, thank you for choosing us to be a part of that good plan, that great plan of salvation, Lord. Wow. We look back, us who are saved, and we just think, think, Lord, we were not seeking you, but you, you saved us. And we give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the hope of heaven. Thank you for that great hope that one day there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. Wow. Praise your holy name, Lord. Thank you for your holy Bible, the written word of God, which is living. Same as if you would sit down and have an audible conversation with us, Lord. Wow, the power of your word. Encourage our hearts, Lord, to become more like Jesus, to see him, more of his majesty. Encourage us to become more of a house of prayer. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this dear assembly here and the joy to be back home for a short time here, Lord. We commit our time to you. Ask for your help, Lord, to have ears to hear your voice tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not going to give too much of a report tonight. Uh, you'll have to come back Sunday night for that. And uh, the Lord is good. I've been back in Cleveland for two months. And I told... Is it public information? Somewhat? I told Peter that I said, I can't leave him out of my sight for two months. And I hear that he's potentially engaged or something along that line. Thanks for your prayers. Um, life is hard. The ministry is hard. Um, but we win. We won. And uh, we get beat up along the way. We get shot at. We get wounded. And uh, we make it home. I love some of Paul's, almost his last words. He said uh, in 2 Timothy, that the Lord will bring me safely home to his kingdom. We are going to look at a passage tonight. Just one uh, little passage in 2 Chronicles. A great true story of a great king who is with the Lord now. His battle's over. And uh, I hope and pray that this chapter here will encourage us uh, to pray and how to pray and give us a great uh, reminder of just how great the person is that we're praying to and what the potential is that he can accomplish. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I want to see, as uh, David prayed, I want to see a true, great Holy Spirit revival where the church is just packed every night, every day, 
maybe the building, but in homes, and we're praying, and, and we're, we're, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're proclaiming the word boldly, it says. They went out and preached the word boldly. Everybody, children, women, men, in every opportunity, whether it's at home, among the family, or out and about in the marketplace. And that's God's plan. That's the book of Acts that we read about. Uh, the blueprint is six or sevenfold. I find it real simple in the book of Acts in Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Repent and be baptized. Get saved, number one, right? Number two, get baptized. And then Acts 2.42, what do you do after that? You dedicate, you devote yourself continually to the apostles' doctrine, the teaching of the New Testament, which includes the foundation of the old. The fellowship to one another. And the verses after, they were selling everything if anybody had a need so that they could needs could be met. Uh, breaking of bread. Dedicating themselves. Devoting themselves, it says that, continually. Even house to house, it seems, the verses right after that say. And then, devoting themselves to prayer. And I think if we were honest, that's probably most Christians' weakest point, most assemblies' weakest point, that we just, we just don't know how to pray and, and we just... Don't pray enough. But then there's one more aspect. The whole rest of the book of Acts. They continually devoted themselves to what? Sharing the gospel, making disciples. And that's God's plan until we get home. And um, 2 Chronicles 20, I believe, is a, uh, a great passage to encourage us about King Jehoshaphat and uh, what was going on in his life. And a desperate, desperate need. That, that's a key word I, I've been finding through the scriptures, and especially in Chronicles, and a lot of times in prayer, desperate. Desperate, right? The uh, Syrophoenician woman, she's desperate to see her daughter delivered from this demon, and she won't be quiet. And then she even says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs off your table. The blind man, Bartimaeus, right? Be quiet. That's Jesus. Son of David, have mercy. It gets louder, it says. Kept crying out. He was desperate to connect, to, to get an answer, to get, to receive from the Lord. And um, the handwriting's on the wall. I'm no prophet in the Old Testament sense by any means, but I think we would all agree the handwriting is on the wall. America's in, whew, oh, it's getting close. This this opinion, but it's could be the end of this year as things could really start to escalate in a negative sense for us humanly, physically speaking. And uh, if ever the people of God need to humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways, it's now. It's normal Christianity for the church to be together as much as they possibly can. Now, I'm single, you guys got families, etc. And I know there's things, but to be together house to house and you just... It's just normal Christianity. Uh, I was sharing, I think it was with Malcolm on the phone today. I received emails from Voice of the Martyrs. If you don't, you should sign up for that. It's good stuff. And uh, they've got a little five-minute DVD coming on, just giving a testimony um, of a family that went from South Africa. So they're European, like um, English-speaking. And they go to Afghanistan, husband, wife, and two beautiful young teenage children. And uh, just a five-minute little deal, but it's just powerful how they, uh, the only one left in the end is the wife. They got murdered, the father and the two kids. And um, this is normal Christianity in, in the Bible. 
And, uh, right, the prophets, they killed all the prophets. Uh, the first baby born kills his brother. And sin is in the world. We're in enemy territory. And we need to come together as much as we can to really pray and seek the Lord. So in chapter 20, verse 1. Now it came about after this. After what? After Jehoshaphat had a couple chapters of his life where he really got serious about God. And he made some reforms and he cleaned up house. He also made some mistakes. He had very serious ones. He he uh, partnered with evil, uh, King Ahab, and made a, a partnership with him. And, and he was rebuked for that. Um, just before we jump into that, if you jump, look at verse 19, chapter 19, verse 2. The prophet comes and uh, rebukes Jehoshaphat. He said, should you help the wicked? That was King Ahab. He made a partnership to help King Ahab. And should you uh, help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? And so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? And then it goes on the next end of the chapter. He's continuing to make some reforms. In verse 3 it says, But there's some good in you, for you've removed the Asherah. So just that call in Jehoshaphat's life to not have fellowship with darkness, right? And making mistakes along the way. But then in chapter 20, now it came about after this, after the kingdom's established, and he's uh, really he's sending out his people to go and teach the word throughout the country. It's awesome. But after that, guess what? The enemy attacks big time. That the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Meunites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat. Now this, of course, there's no electricity, no cell phones, and so it's just all by foot or horseback, and somebody sees the, uh, the enemy coming. A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be attacked, right? Will suffer persecution. This great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, there in Hezazan Tamar, that is in Gedi, and Jehoshaphat was afraid. Rightly so. But he knew what to do with this fear. He turned his attention to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. Um, this is a wonderful chapter. I encourage you to read and reread and read and reread this chapter. It's just a great, encouraging and uh, instructing uh, passage to help us to pray, to seek the Lord. And even uh, nothing so important, even food. We've got to get together because these three nations are, are getting close. They're coming against us. So we're gathering to help, uh, to seek help from the Lord. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And again, this is Israel and Judah. This is the nation of Israel. They're split, right? The kingdom split. And this is Judah, the king of Judah. So this isn't written to America, quote unquote. But it is. Because the New Testament says it's for our example, for our instruction, and for our warning. Three words that are used in the New Testament talking about what the Old, Old Testament scriptures are for. So we can learn application here. When we're under attack, when things are desperate, we need to gather together and seek help from the Lord. Verse 6, here's what he says. And uh, Jehoshaphat said, And O Lord, here's his prayer, The God of our fathers, art thou not God in the heavens? Art thou not ruler over all the kingdoms? 
of the nations. Power and might are in your hands so that no one, no thing can stand against you. He knew his God. He knew his desperate situation. And he comes to the Lord to call upon him, to cry out for mercy. I was doing that this this morning when I first found out my sister was going to go into the hospital. She's not very healthy. And uh, she's... Physically, she's not healthy, and I'm not sure she's a Christian. I, I, I don't think she really is. She sometimes says she is. but uh, So I was crying out to the Lord, and I already had on my heart to share this passage, and I was just really, Lord, only you can, only you can, and, and he can. Power and might are your hand, in your hand. Nobody can stand against you. Verse 7. Did you not, O God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they lived in it and have built thee a sanctuary there for thy name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for thy name is in this house. Your person, right? You're here, Lord. And we cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. That was our promises that God made back to Solomon's day, right? When he built the temple. If anybody, if, if God brings pestilence and diseases or famine or enemy against us, and then the next verse, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear them from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. And so he's banking on God's promises in his prayer. We need to do that. Verse 10. And now, behold, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. You told us not to destroy them at that time. Well, look at how they're repaying us. Verse 11. They're rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance, a promise, right? Oh, our God, I love verse 12. And if you've read this passage before, I'm sure it's jumped off the page for you. And what a great way for us to pray. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? We are powerless before this great multitude of enemies and we don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. And they were proving it, right? This is no, they came from miles and miles around. Big community coming together when they heard they're under attack and they need God's help. So it's not just their eyes are upon the Lord. No, their life. This is, we need you, God, to intervene or it's not going to happen. We don't know what to do. And the church in America, the assemblies in America, we don't know what to do. Some are healthier than others. This is a somewhat healthy one. Lots of good things going on here. But we need help. We need revival. We need to see people in this community brought to Christ. We're going out. And, 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 and it's the same all across the board. It seems. It just seems there's something. Not the power of God upon our ministry like there could be and should be. And we want to be. And God wants to be. We can cry out to God. Lord, our eyes are upon you. But again, it all comes together. How did they get How did they get God's attention? How did they express their great need? Prayer, coming together in prayer, and even proclaiming a fast. And I've said it, uh, I've seen, I don't know, I'm sure many here have seen the handwriting on the wall for the demise of America. It's coming. 
like a freight train going down a, a hill with no brakes. And, and scripturally, it has to happen, right? For Antichrist to rule the world, set up his kingdom, America can't be in there. And we're sinning so much in God's face, now going against Israel. So God has to keep his promises. And what's the church to do? What is the church to do? We need to repent of our sins and become more and more a house of prayer, coming to God individually, number one, in the closet. Then number two, the elders coming together as elders, it says in Acts chapter 6, and then the congregation of God's people. And that's what we're seeing here. Verse 13. Our eyes are on you, Lord. And all Judah was standing before the Lord. That was the end of the prayer. Not a very long prayer. God, we're desperate. Help. And I can almost imagine that you could probably feel the earth shaking. I mean, the chariots and the horses, there's thousands and thousands of soldiers coming. The enemy, multitude of enemies coming. They're outnumbered three to one. Three nations against one. So all, all Judah was standing before the Lord. Look at this. The infants, their wives... And their children. That's everybody. From diapers to older people. All of us. And they're just standing there. They're just waiting. Total helplessness. Total hopelessness. Total faith. God, unless you do something, we're doomed. Then God spoke. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon this prophet. And we'll just jump down. Verse 15. And he said, listen, all Judah. So here's God's answer to their plea, their cry. Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, don't be afraid or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Does that mean we're going to be spared from all physical suffering? No, I just told you about that little DVD from Voice of the Martyrs. They left everything, knowing that they could get martyred in Afghanistan. And only the precious wife and mother is left behind. This happened just a couple of years ago. Powerful testimony. I just And it could, and it seems to be on its way here. Again, don't be afraid. Just come together and seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Don't be afraid. The battle's not ours. It's God's. What's the worst that could happen? They send us to heaven. <laughs> right? Amen. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they'll come up by the ascent of Ziz in such and such a place. Verse 17. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Was another verse. Be still. Be still. Be still. I like the NES. That's the Bible I use. And it says, cease striving. And actually, striving is in italics, so it just says, cease, stop, be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of all the hosts is with us. The God of Jacob. I love that title for, for God. The God of Jacob. Why? Because Jacob was so... No, Jacob was a, a conniver and, 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 and God's grace. He's the God of Jacob. Go out tomorrow. You don't need to fight. Just station yourself. Church, we need to station ourselves in prayer like we've never prayed before. It's time to repent of not being a house of prayer as we ought. 
House meaning I'm the house of God, you're the house of God, together we're the house of God. And I, me included, I'm not saying I've arrived. <laughs> yeah. Station yourself and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, don't fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Wow. The Lord is with you. He's with you. It's not just for you. He is for you. He's with you. The Lord, Jehovah, that's the name there. Yahweh, the I am that I am is with you. Nothing to fear. And the Levites, I'm sorry, in Jehoshaphat, verse 18, what's his response? Okay, they cry out to God. They leave everything. And we just read it in a verse or two, but that had to take some days and weeks to, I guess, days for everybody to come together at least, right? Some traveled miles. The king was already there. They're in, and they're praying and crying out to God. Then God gives them this wonderful promise. Don't worry about it. Just relax. And so Jehoshaphat bows his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, Worth shipping the Lord. And the Levites from the sons of the Kohites and the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. That's what it says. And they rose early in the morning. They what? They rose early in the morning. They went to sleep. God spoke and said... It's okay. And they knew that they did all they could do, which is what? God, we're powerless. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God said, okay, relax, stand, watch the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. So they go to sleep. They had to. Or they couldn't have rose, right? They went home. Or, or, or together, they just, it's tired. Let's go to sleep. Like Peter in the jail cell, right? He falls asleep. God says, don't worry. And they rose early in the morning. They went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. When they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Okay, listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in something else also. His word, right? The prophets. And succeed. Trust in his word. Trust in the Lord. Trust in his word. Trust in the Lord. And when he consulted with the people, I like that. What humility, right? Same way the elders are here. They're not just lording it over. Just We're just one group of people. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him. I mean, that, put yourself in the story. Back then, the ground has to be shaking, hearing the clamor of armor, perhaps. And I don't know, they're getting close. But God spoke. So here's how the army is going to go out. Just like, and he's got the Old Testament up to that point. He knew how Joshua did it. Let's do it like Joshua did it. Let's sing and praise the Lord. And so that's what happened. When he consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord, those who praised him in holy attire. Ah, confession of sin, right? Holy attire, confession of sin. As they went out before the army in front and they said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord. His loving kindness is everlasting. 
And I love verse 22. And when they began singing and praising. And when they began singing and praising. When they trusted the Lord and they could claim his promises. They sang and praised him. God spoke. It's true. We're okay. Then the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. So they were routed or confused, utterly confused. God can do anything. He holds the king's heart in his hand, able to turn it wherever he wishes. He can confuse whoever. He can save Mr. Obama. He saved Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) He saved Manasseh. The worst king ever up to that time, it says about Manasseh. But he repents. He gets saved. He saves Saul of Tarsus. He saves Christian Eichley. Who can he not save? With man, it's impossible. But that's when Jesus spoke those words. Salvation. If the rich can't get saved, then who's going to be saved? Well, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But we've got to see our desperate need upon the Lord. Somebody once said, maybe you've heard me say this before, And it's a powerful indictment against me and Christians. Whenever we don't pray, because we don't pray as we ought, it's the loudest, it's the loudest shout to heaven. God, I don't need you. So so what does God do? Do we need God? It's a no-brainer when you think about it. But when things are going good, you live your life as if you don't. So what's God do? Knocks you flat on your back, turns up the heat. So that he can remind us, no, we're desperate for every breath. And the church, how much more we're desperate for every move to do what he wants us to do, to be who he wants us to be. And when they began singing and praising, the Lord set these ambushes. He just confused them. So I love it. The two nations, hey, all three, three guys, three, just three men, but three nations, right? There's whole three nations. Okay, we're going to go kill Jehoshaphat. We hate these guys. They're wicked. They worship Jehovah. Let's go get them. Okay. Lord, my God is a great God. And they're singing Israel's, what? What's going on? Hey, let's kill all those guys over there. So they killed the one army. Now there's only two armies. And eventually the two come against each other, it says, until... The last two soldiers, you can almost picture it with their daggers. The last two dropped dead. Every single soldier. Let's see what it says. The sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the lookout of the wilderness, boy, it got awful quiet. Wow, we heard all those soldiers. It's quiet now. When they looked toward the multitude, and behold, they were corpses lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Praise the Lord. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found so much among them, all that it took three days to carry it all away. There was so much. Verse 26, Then on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, which means blessing, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore they have named that place the valley of Baraka until... Today And every man of Judah and Jerusalem returned with Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy for or because the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps, lyres, trumpets to the house of the Lord. 
and the dread of God was on all the kingdoms of the lands when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. Why? Because his God gave him rest on all sides. Let's take a few moments and just close in prayer. And it's 8.30 right now, so it won't go longer, but just a minute or two. We asked God to speak. He spoke to my heart again. And um, a lot of us are in desperate situations. And all of us are in desperate situations. We might just not know it or remember it or realize it. Our nation's in desperate situations. The church, the true believers, this assembly is in desperate situation. And uh, may God please, may God please push us to gather together more frequently and cry out to Him in desperation for His great love and hand of protection. So maybe it would just one of the brothers feel led to close in prayer. and entangled in the affairs of this life. Your word declares life at best is very brief. Surely, O God, we stand, all of us, corporately, individually, in need of prayer. We think of the Savior's words tonight that men ought always to pray and not to faint or be discouraged. And we confess in your presence tonight that oftentimes we are tempted to live in our own strength, in our own power, as if we had any. What do we have that we have not received? All things come from you, and of thine own, of your own, have we given you. So, our Father, we just think of the challenge that we read in your word that you have not because you ask not. Help us to pray, O God, more frequently and to pray according to your will. 
We, we thank you even for the invitation. Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And so, our Father, we thank you for what you are able to do. We've seen it tonight in the case of Jehoshaphat and the armies and the battle that he was facing. And we recognize that we are in a battle as well. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Just help us to recognize it, that unseen enemy that we have, but yet we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. How easily we can get distracted and entangled and, and, and just live for things of time and not for eternity. Oh God, we need to respond to this challenge tonight and be like uh, Paul's friend there at the end of Colossians, Epaphras, who labored fervently in prayer, wrestled as it were. We need to learn how to do that, oh God. We thank you for such, like him. And so, oh God, we just thank you. We praise you for who you are, the almighty, transcendent, creator God. And who are we? This weak, feeble servants of yours, but yet we can cry to the living God and he will respond. We thank you for that, our Father and our God. And so uh, may we recognize the need tonight and change from this time forward. In the name of the Savior we ask, amen. Amen.